0: Buddy, welcome back to the uh Home run the jewels fantasy baseball podcast. uh we had a nice intro' with the music actually working tonight uh I'm not totally sure how I get it to it sound like each each passing week the intro music sounds like it's being worn out a little bit, like if this was on a vintage vinyl uh I guess it would just be a vinyl i'm only twenty five so I don't really know what they called things before cassette tapes um. If it was on a vintage vinyl disc, I guess, and you played it for a long time, it might sort of wear out a little bit. I don't know. I think it's a cool effect. The intro music started on time, so I'm pretty pretty happy tonight. Uh, on the line, we have a friend of the podcast and my favorite. Oh, well, his call was just dropped. That's all right. He'll come back. Uh, Joe Bond should join us at some point tonight. Uh, Joe is a great... Uh, podcast over at fantasysixpack.com dot where he writes a lot of his stuff as well, which I was a guest on two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I'm not totally sure um, when the exact day was. These all sort of just blend together. Anyway, well, until he gets on, we're gonna we're, we're going to talk some dynasty stuff this week. Um, Joe and I play in a dynasty league together, and we are on the polar opposite ends of the standings. I believe Joe sits at eleven and one, I sit at one and eleven. Um, so it's pretty pretty I'd rather be in his spot, let's say. Um but he'll be on to tell you all uh all his secrets and I'll tell you how I plan to rebuild. Um but something that so far has bothered me this season that I sort of just feel the need to comment on. And this is just this you know, nothing Nobody's wronged me. It was just a mistake I made. Uh, on draft day, um, I didn't take Corey Seeger. I didn't take Carlos Correa or Buxton or – who just got called up today? Oh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Miguel Sano. I didn't take any of those guys. I took um, – God, this sounds so stupid in retrospect. I took Francisco Lindor um, thinking, you know what? I had Jose Ramirez as my middle infielder in a 15-team mixed league, and I was thinking, you know what? If if Jose Ramirez is good, I'm going to be set at middle, and I can move, get somebody, get a different top prospect. Uh, Jose Ramirez was very, very, like very bad, it's like as bad as you possibly could be. And he, but they didn't send him down, and they didn't call Lindor. And I watched in the same time Lindor was in the minors. I watched Correa come up. Uh, I've watched Buxton come up. Now Sano's coming up. And these guys are all much better offensive talents than Lindor. Lindor has a lot of his value tied to his defense. Um, So I just want you guys to know, draft for talent. Don't draft for when you think they'll get called up. Uh, I mean, if you're drafting Lucas Giolito this year, he's not going to get called up probably at all. So maybe take Noah Syndergaard or uh, Lance McCullers. But, for instance, don't take Francisco Lindor over Carlos Correa in any league. It was bad play on my part. This is a redraft league, so it's not it's not dynasty format because I would have never ever done that. It was a dynasty format, but uh, you know, teams get get wacky. They call it people at random times, and uh, I thought Lindor would be up the first week of May instead of still like middle of June. Anyway, enough of my sob story. Joe Bond, I think we have back. Joe, did you is your internet working well enough to get you on?
1: Yeah, man. I think I think I'm back. You hear me?
0: Yes, I got you. Um All right. so you, you, I'm glad you can hear me. I'm using a different pair of headphones tonight. And uh the, the first couple of minutes were a little I was worried that there was just silence. Um So, Joel, I want to congratulate you on your uh first place victory uh through halfway through the slugging Dynasty League. Good job.
1: Thank you. Uh I should congratulate you for your uh your, your first win. I think we talked about this on on my podcast a couple weeks ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this is obviously a podcast, so you can't see how big I'm smiling right now that I won. <laughs> uh, there's been a couple of games. This is a points league. Um, there's been a couple of weeks where I lost by like 10 points, eight points or something like that. This week, I pulled it out. Uh, my team, not very good, but, um, you know, I'm building for next year. Uh, before we get into that, Joe, why don't you... As always, shout out where everybody can find you, and then we'll uh, get into talking some dynasty.
1: Yeah, uh, you can find me uh, on fantasy six- at fantasy six pack on Twitter. Um, I have I'm the creator, I guess, the owner of fantasy six pack dot net. I also write at so called fantasy experts, along with a couple other random sites here and there. But um, those are the two biggies right now.
0: Cool, 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 yeah, Joe and I we've been writing pretty much since fantasy so called fantasy experts started, I guess, so we're mm-hmm. we're, we're original, we're original guys, I know we just added some more people, but um, yes, so like Joe was saying, I was on your podcast what two three weeks ago, you I think? I think it was
1: two weeks two weeks ago now, yeah, yeah,
0: two weeks ago, and <laughs> we we're playing over under, and Joe asked if I thought I'd have more than one and a half wins the rest of the season, <laughs> um, I said under. I just traded uh, basically my only solid starting pitcher away for some players for next year, so I'm thinking I'll probably sit at one for a while. Uh, I know we have a amateur draft coming up in July. I, Chris said something about that, so I'm yes. pretty I'm pretty content to hold. Hopefully, worst record gets the first pick, and I'm pretty content to just hold on to uh, that first selection. But. Um, you were on the other end at what, eleven and one, I believe? Yes. Yeah, you said that so smugly. Um <laughs> what has been there... I
1: try not to, man.
0: <laughs> oh okay, everything just sounds smug to, to when you're one and eleven. Um I know there's been some quirks with the scoring, but uh right off the back, this was the first year Dynasty League. What was sort of your thought process when you went to build your now juggernaut of a <laughs> of a team? So,
1: kind of quirky with this whole league, really. Um, But, I mean, with with Dynasty, I went with, if there was somebody that I thought was close in talent, I went with the younger player, generally. Um, Which is why I ended up taking Nolan Arenado in the second round. I think I had the fourth or fifth pick. I can't remember off the top of my head now. It was something close to that. Um, but, yeah, I had I had the fourth pick, and Andrew McCutcheon fell to me. So I went, you know, pretty standard, took McCutcheon um, with the fourth pick. Came all the way back around to me, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, I kind of want somebody young, but who's sort of proven already. I think Arenado had a pretty good season last year. So I decided to take him over some of the other third basemen who might be ranked ahead of him at that point, in, according to you know mock drafts and ADP and consensus rankings all over the place, um, thinking he's young, I can keep him basically forever. And that pick has propelled me to the top pretty much um, by itself in offense. And then the big thing that everybody has to remember about this league is and this was a big discussion point early on in the year it was well during the draft, actually was the the amount of innings that you were going to be allowed to pitch each week because of the head to head points league and so i remember i remember looking at it and saying 300 guys that's a lot of innings it's basically going to be whoever has the most pitchers big lot of debate going back and forth and i don't remember what your. Side of it was, and which side you took, but I remember trying to get it reduced to like seventy five or even a hundred at most, thinking that's a lot of innings. I kind of what I did is I took what yahoo and e s p n do for their season long roto leagues with their innings limits and divided it by the number of weeks and then I tacked on a little bit because people were complaining that they didn't want a limit at all, so I added even some innings thinking 75 and 100 should be more than enough. I mean, even to hit that number of innings is a lot. Um, Yeah, that's probably... I forget forget the number. Like, even if you have, you know, say you have 100 guys go seven innings, you have to have 14 and a half starting pitchers pitch that week. That's a lot. Yeah. So that's... that's 100 innings. 75 is obviously somewhere around 11 or 12 starters, and I felt like that was way more way more fair. And that's seven innings. Not all your starters go seven innings. Some of them go four. Some of them go five, you know. So I thought it would have been a lot more competitive and a lot more fair and even if we had lowered the inning count. But everybody kind of complained, and uh, like most of the league, and the consensus ended up being that we're going to keep it at 300. So I went, you know what, Screw this, I went all pitching. I drafted 27 starting pitchers.
0: Yeah, uh, I was – I am am looking to rebuild. Um, And I was just going down the top pitchers list. I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I could trade for this guy. Maybe that guy who has him. Oh, Joe. Okay. Oh, Joe has that guy too. Oh, he is. All right. Okay. I got to find somebody else. Um, My, and this again, like I said at the beginning of the show, a fault on my part about drafting Lindor over. I went for, you know, drafting, when I thought somebody get called up instead of overall skill, um, I just assumed this was going to be you. You made moves on Sunday, uh, so you you couldn't be shuffling in twenty seven starting pitchers through a week. Um, and I was like, you know what? If you make it three hundred innings, but you can only put in seven pitchers, like it doesn't doesn't matter to me. Um, right. I don't know when they said it was going to be daily moves, but uh, you know, I probably I don't know if that would have helped too much because I I was pretty pretty happy with my pitching going into the year. Uh, and then I've had quite Marcus Stroman's ACL injury in like three days after I drafted him. And... Yeah,
1: I remember we almost
0: traded. He almost gave me Stroman in a trade, and I backed out at the last second or something.
1: Or you did. I forget who. But
0: uh, yeah, uh, I remember. I remember talking about him. But at least it's not an elbow or something. But still, like that's just been the the uh, the story of my season. But yeah, I think looking at the. Um, Obviously, the league rules are huge, and, or league scoring rules are huge and how you draft. Um, like, I have probably the best offense in the league. Uh, I have Goldschmidt. I have Posey. Kyle Seeger's been great for me. Um, and that's even without Corey Dickerson. But I just don't have the pitching to keep up with you guys. Right. So that's, that's been a problem. But um, this is a dynasty league. Did you, did you take any prospects, any AAA guys, or were you just sticking, sticking with – I'm taking every, you know, major league pitcher I can get my hands on who probably or hopefully, you know, we're looking for young guys. But were you drafting any double-A guys? Were you stashing, I don't know, Corey Seager or something?
1: I actually did not grab any of them. And you know what? That wasn't on purpose. It's not like I didn't go after any young players. I did get Mookie Betts, and I did get Jock Peterson. Um, obviously, Nolan Arenado is still a young guy. And so I did grab some young talent and especially I grabbed young pitchers. Uh, I got DeGrom. I've got Gray. I've got, you know, I've got some young Danny Salazar. I got these I got these young good pitchers, but instead of me grabbing guys who I didn't even know if they were ever going to get called up this year, I wanted to make sure that I was going to have guys that were going to play this year as my young, you know, prospect type of guys. I don't know if you can consider DeGrom a prospect. I mean, he won National League Rookie of the Year last year. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, those, so those that's that's kind of what I went. I went with guys that, you know what, I want to be competitive every year. Why am I going to wait for an unknown when I can get a, a, younger, a young guy who's going to be a keeper-worthy player for a very long time and have him pitch for me right now as well? But some of the prospects in this league were going at an incredible rate Early, it was kind of crazy. So yeah. I wasn't. It's not like I intentionally avoided them. It's just I wasn't ready to take them when they were going.
0: Yeah, the value probably wasn't there, and I think that might just be, uh, or it might have been a factor of this is the first year of a dynasty league. So, mm-hmm. so every prospect was available. Like you could get. I think Correa went like really early. So did Buxton. Went I mean, round was.
1: nine. I'm actually looking at it right now. Buxton went round seven. <laughs>
0: Like I grabbed a couple outfielder prospects late in the draft. My team is now like half prospects or half minor league guys just because I need, you know, to look forward to next year. But I agree. I thought going heavy on prospects was not the best option when there are still young guys out there like uh, a Marcelo Zuna or some of these outfielders who are 25, like, they're going to play until they're at least 32 unless they have, like, terrible, terrible injuries.
1: Right. Well, I mean, right. consider this. Byron, you know, Buxton went in round seven. I got Jock Peterson him. in round nine. Who would you rather have
0: right now? Well, yeah, definitely Jack. Uh, Buxton did not look great in his uh, first go-around, but still. It's like, he, he probably won't be this good until halfway through next year will be the first time I'll probably think about Buxton as a real, really top-of-the-line fantasy player, at least. Um, I saw Buxton got traded for – that's another thing that was interesting. But a lot of people have been swapping uh, prospects. Buxton got swapped for Mats and um, Corey Seager, which I thought was an interesting deal. And then I With, couldn't get – couldn't that the whole deal? Not. Yeah, the whole deal. And then I wanted to, mm. and then whoever has maths now wanted Corey Dickerson for me. So I wanted Maths back I and mean, he didn't want to, he didn't want to pull the trigger. Um, but that sort of leads me into my next thing. And you're obviously in first place and you're sitting pretty, you're sitting very pretty. Um, but say you're in second or third. How do you, how would you go about trying to acquire, you know, that, that win now piece? Um are you, do you do that in other leagues? Are you trading away uh, some youth for, I don't know, if you needed power, trading away some of that young pitching you have?
1: Um, so in this league, I don't really have the luxury of doing that because, like I said, I didn't draft any youth that's maybe not playing right now. All of my players are playing, so I don't want to give them up. Hmm. Um, so, But in other leagues, I have done this so um, – Last year, so I I'm in, I'm in a keeper league where we only keep four players every year, but one of the teams was pretty much out of it trying to build for next year. I needed, I needed another outfielder. I had Cargo kind of struggling slash hurt at the end of last year, and I was like, "Here, I'll give you Cargo if you give me Michael Brantley." Thinking Brantley was on fire toward the end of last year, he, you know, at that point, we didn't know Cargo was going to be. You know, dealing with more injuries in the off season. Although we probably should have guessed it, yeah. And so he took it, thinking he'd keep cargo over Brantley. Um, I think he ended up doing it, but so that like that's the kind of thing where, yeah, you know, if if you're willing to give up some of your, like, if I guess if I wasn't in you know if I wasn't in contention. You know, I might be willing to give up like a Brian McCann, who's an older guy, but performing right now, maybe for some young talent who is probably going to play next year, type of thing, and just build build pieces um, that I'm going to be able to keep and hang on to. Um, you know, maybe take the Buxton, who's now hurt. You don't care. You're not in contention. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, that guy is in contention. Has Buxton. He's hurt. sitting on his IR wasn't really performing anyway while he was playing can probably give him up, you know, and that, and that's the, that's the, tr- and, but that's trouble, you know, or the kind of the, that, that fine line of walk when you're the other owner too. Like, do you give up your future for now? And I, you know, baseball teams do the same thing. Do you give up your future for now? And a lot of, a lot of teams do. And every team, but one, it works for every year. So it's, it's always a risk. Um, so, I you know I I usually say go for it now. Like if you can win, go for it now because the money or whatever you're gonna win right now is forever. And you know you can always say, hey, I won.
0: Yeah, the, that's sort of in my well, not in the, our league because I am so far of it. But um, and I sort of took your approach. I had Jason Hamill who's been pitching way. Over his head, in my opinion. I was trying to sell him off to anybody I could. I'm like, Jason Hamill is never going to be this good again. I got Drew Smiley and Luis Severino. Mm -hmm. Okay, that should be at least one starting pitcher next year. Best case would be two. Worst case, you know, still probably one. Um, But I feel like people hold on to their prospects more, more tightly than they should. And you know what? Like, Carlos Correa is great, and so is Buxton, and so are these guys at the top 10 in all these lists. But two years ago, there was a whole different top 10 list, and Correa is probably 125. And then when when these, like, half, like, 40 people have already got called up. So if somebody, like, I think MLB.com or Baseball Prospectus does a a July prospect list, like, guys who were, like, number 50 when the season started are going to be, like, number eight. And people are going to freak out over these guys just because they're ranked number eight.
1: Oh, yeah, wow. they know absolutely nothing about him. I mean, look at guys, you know, a, probably a good example of this is Andrew Heaney. I mean, he, he's come up two or three times. Right now he's actually doing pretty good. But, yeah. you know, how many times has he come up and just been miserable? Bad. You yeah. know, he even I had think... like a five-something ERA in the minors before the Angels finally called him up. I'm actually really shocked they did. But um...
0: yeah, it's a lot of it, I think is name recognition and that if you are rebuilding like I am, uh I think a lot of it and sort of deciding when to maybe or not rebuilding, I should say, if you're going for it, is what I was thinking. Uh You got to capitalize on, you know, players name recognition and when it's the highest um, mm-hmm. if you're going to sell if you're going to sell off, you know. Like Jock Peterson, probably last year, say you were going for it and you had Peterson as your minor leaguer, when everybody's freaking out over his 340 average and his quest for 30 steals and 30 home runs, like that's the highest return you're probably going to get on him. Obviously, he's great this year, but if he wasn't providing any value last season, it's not always just saying, like, all right, Peterson's the 17th best player. You got to sort of. Take advantage of his hot streaks, just like you would take advantage of a hot streak of an actual major league player. Um, people don't often look at minor league stats, but I would definitely suggest that if you're in these uh, these dynasty leagues, don't take them too seriously. Like you don't have to be thinking like I think Syndergaard's ERA in the Pacific Coast was like three five before he got called up.
1: You it was know, actually in the I think it was actually in the
0: twos. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, it went down to the twos. I've yeah. Oh, wait, you know what I'm thinking? Last season, his ERA in Pacific Coast was terrible. <clears throat> um, math, it's even more incredible. Those matches was like in the ones. But that's off topic. Um, actually, if you were trying to go for it this year, selling off mats four weeks ago, that might have been another sort of example of that. Um, it's not just about how highly they're ranked by people. Because nobody knows. If people knew exactly how good – all these guys would be like this would be so much easier and less stressful than
1: it'd be uh, boring.
0: It would be boring. It would be very boring. Um
1: You know, like I'm looking but, at your team, like, you know, one of the guys I'm talking about like selling your older guys that are performing. You know, Victor Martinez came back from the DL and he's been he's been pretty good since then. Like now's your chance to sell off Victor Martinez, get a young oh, bat oh, for somebody me. who's not performing.
0: Uh, I've been trying to sell Vic Vmar for a little while. Um, we'll see if I can move that. And I have so many. I have three catchers too. Yeah, uh, you do. Just because people are dropping, like, like oh, somebody dropped Yadier Molina. I'm like oh, you know what? <laughs> come, come join me in the base in Yadier. We'll, we'll try this again next year. Um, but I do have a young core, and when you go and do a rebuild. Like I'm going to. I think something you have to take into account also is can you just sort of flip the switch and compete next year? And I think I can compete next year if I get a few of these pitchers back, maybe draft a few pitchers when we have whatever sort of draft we have, um, and maybe get a few guys called up. If my whole team was like Victor Martinez's up and down the offense, then I'd just be selling off every piece. But I don't have to sell Corey Dickerson right now because he's only 27. I don't have to sell um, Marcelo Zuna. I don't have to sell some of these guys, which I'm in another league with people I work with during the day, and they're selling off guys left and right that I'm trying to just, you know, pick up happily because they, they could be a good team next year, but they're moving semi-young guys. Like 27 is not that old. Um, Like I literally did just see Corey Dickerson get traded for, Oh, I don't remember. Maybe Eduardo Rodriguez or somebody in that sort of prospect range. If he still got a chance next year, I wouldn't. You know, you don't have to sell off everything. Um, but it should be it should be interesting to see where I where I can sort of bounce back. But
1: I guess my 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 question with your team is: you have a lot of minor league players but are these minor league players going to be playing next year even? Like, that's the thing. Well,
0: actually, I'm I'm glad you asked this, Uh, because I don't think a lot of them will be. I don't think Renfro will be Margot, probably not, Manuel Margot of the Red Sox, Um, probably even not Emil Tapia unless something happens to Cargo. My thought process when I realized my team was sort of bottoming out was people like prospects in this league. I've seen that. Um, Like I said before, prospects, shoot up rankings all the time from season to season. Uh, And I think my team should be pretty solid next year, but not great. Uh, My original plan, I don't know if I should tell you this since you're a competitor, but Joe, I'm letting you (laughs) in on on a secret here. I was just sort of hoarding people hoping, all right, next year, Margot jumps from 87th prospect to 11th or something like that. Frazier goes from 85 to 15 and I can package these guys and then buy major league players with them from guys like me next year. Are at the bottom.
1: That's exactly um, what I was gonna say.
0: I don't do. have. There's not a lot of great guys on the waiver wire who are actually in the majors right now. Like I think the best player on our free agent list is Zach Cozart or Mark Connor, Stephen Drew. Like I don't want to keep these guys on my team and then hold them for next year because they're yeah. probably not going to be very good. So I can keep a Manuel Margot who's rising up the ranks really fast. I can keep these guys. Um, just be like, Hey, who wants prospects now? Cause I have 11 of them in the top 50 and I need some actual starters. Um, and hopefully one of them breaks the top 10 and then that'll be like my golden ticket for something. But yeah, I, I realize not a lot out there for me to fill out my roster with might as well invest in guys whose stock is actually going to go up. Like I could pick up Nick Ahmed, but he's not going to get much better. Mm. Um, so that that was my thought press. Do you think that might pay off for me, or uh...
1: I absolutely think it will. Um, in fact, that's that's what I would have suggested. If if I was taking over your team, that's exactly what I would do with this league: is just hoard as many top prospects as you possibly can and trade them during drafts or during the offseason season. Even you know, as soon as that list comes out and you got somebody in the top ten, be like, "Hey, got this guy." He's gonna be he's gonna be something. Why don't, why don't you give me that? Uh, you know, that guy who's twenty eight, thirty years old. You know, those guys are still if they're good baseball players, they're still gonna play for three, four, five, six, seven years. Some of them. So, in this kind of league, it's still valuable. I mean,
0: yeah, I think I definitely think that's what I'm gonna to try to go for this. Um, and I really do think people sort of undervalue like a 28 year old or a 29 year old in dynasty, League, especially in, in startups. Like I saw, like I think that's why I took Victor Martinez was just because he was sliding down the board. I'm like he like he might not play three more years if he plays well. He got hurt a lot this year, but if he plays this year, next year, like like how he was playing the last year and a half, that's a great pick. Um, and you reload after that. You don't always have to think the like five years down the road on every, every decision. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think my guy can shoot up the ranks. And nobody remembers who was the top prospects last year. Like, uh, Javier Baez was four last year, and people were freaking out uh, over how good he could be. And he's been sort of middling in the minors. He was terrible last year besides the five pitchers he hit home runs on or whatever when he was in the majors. Um like, Jordano Ventura was 12 in the list I'm looking at. Tywin Walker mm-hmm. was 8. And people all over were dropping Tywin Walker a month and a half ago. And that, they're probably kicking themselves. But, like, there will always be more prospects to sell off. And that's why I'm I'm just sort of hoarding all I can and going to try to trade them like hell um, this time next year. Like, Jesus Montero was the third-ranked prospect in 2011. Followed very closely by Dominic Brown of the Phillies. So, <laughs> yeah, these guys of... don't always work out,
1: and I mean that's why. And I feel like that's where I won the draft, or you know, or at least was one of the winners of the draft. Because in the beginning, I took the core of the team, although I still tried to stay young. Like I said, I gave the advantage to the younger player if there was a close call. So you know, I took McCutcheon, Arenado, Sale. I even took Ian Kinsler in the fifth round. I mean, Ian Kinsler is not having the best year, but Ian Kinsler in the fifth round, that's kind of silly. Um, When you think about where he was normally being drafted, it was just these prospects were going ahead of people so much in this league. And then, but you know, you keep going down, and I got like my core team, and then I thought, okay, I have a lot of young guys. All of these other core players I have on my team right now, Brian McCann, old, but who cares? He's a stud. Mike Napoli, yeah, not having the best year, but in a points league, he's perfectly fine. Mark Teixeira, that one was gold. Yeah, that was really, like some of these really guys that Bartolo Colon was like one of my last ten picks in a forty team in a forty man uh, draft.
0: All right, well, um, you, you cannot tell me you thought Bartolo Colon would start off as well as he did.
1: No, I didn't think he was going to solve as well as this. Of course not, but I mean, okay. I just wanted to make the, sure you with the thirtieth pick in a in a in a draft with fourteen teams. I mean, people were drafting guys who were in single A over Bartolo Colon because of potential. To where I'm going, Bartolo Colon is going to help me right now. That guy is probably not going to be kept next year because we only get to keep twenty five players. You're really going to keep a guy that's in single A. Maybe double A by next year. Probably not.
0: We can only keep twenty five players. I thought it was like thirty. I'm gonna have to re rethink some things. Um, but yeah, the potential. And I, I've said this a few times on this podcast. And really, it's, it's all Mike Trout and Bryce Harper's fault that uh, people think, oh, if I have the number four, if I have Byron Buxton, if I have, I think people were thinking this with Javier Baez last year. They're gonna come up. They're gonna just. It's gonna be like. They're playing in double-A. They're going to hit 25 home runs. They're going to steal 40 bases. Um, and that really doesn't happen that often. Obviously, Harper and Trout are probably anomalies. But um, it, it's just sometimes you got to take the safe pick in Dynasty Leagues because you're holding on to these guys forever. If you want to win this season, you're going to need people who are actually at their peaks and who can hit curveballs and – you know, who've adjusted to major league um major league pitching and just the life of being a major leaguer. Um well I have Marlon Byrd, I'll drop him. Anthony goes, all right. I'm not too worried. I've got people to drop. Don't worry uh fans of the podcast. Next year when we talk about this, my team's gonna be good. Uh we'll have to have a a prospect list edition of this where we just go through how many top prospects I now have in the top 50.
1: I'm, Uh, I'm curious though. What are your thoughts about this? So I know that since the league has started, there have been, there was like a random message board like, Oh, maybe next year we should, we should revamp the rules about the pitching limit. So I think before our amateur draft, we should figure those rules out because otherwise yeah. it's going to be all pitching being taken and
0: as it should. Well, um, well, the only thing is there's not a lot of great pitching coming in from the college ranks. Um, mostly shortstops, but um yeah, I think it would definitely cuz I'm I have if I have the presumed first pick, uh it would make sense for me to take a pitcher, but if you know, we're revamping these rules and I can get by with my 11 starting pitchers instead of needing 27. I probably exactly. wouldn't. I probably wouldn't go that way. I'm interested in what you think, since your team obviously uh, has taken advantage of the rules the best. Um, what if we go down to 75 innings a week or whatever? Are you cool with that? Since you're you're set up to dominate in the current point system,
1: I actually would not mind it one bit at all. Because honestly, like my back end starters aren't really anything that I care about. I mean. Uh, you know, Ronus Elias, he's been okay. Yeah. I don't know. I've got a, I've got a stud, you know, I've got a core group of, you know, Archer and DeGrom and Gray and, and those guys clearly are keeping them, but you know, Tillman can get tossed aside. Charlie Morton can get tossed aside, you know, all these guys. Otherwise, honestly, I mean, I can't, I wouldn't keep all 25 of my pitchers anyway because I'm clearly keeping Arenado. I'm clearly keeping guys like Mookie Betts and Jock Peterson. So, the, you know, those guys are just, you know, clear. I have to keep them. Yeah. To balance out my team. um, You know, McCutcheon, even though he's older, I'm keeping McCutcheon. You know, yeah, guys think, like I that. I
0: think you keep McCutcheon. I think that's a smart – yeah, I think that's a safe move, Joe. I'm probably <laughs> even
1: going to keep Cano. You know, if he shows any signs of life and he's, and he's been playing better since I traded for him, uh, I'll probably keep Cano. I don't really have a second baseman otherwise.
0: Yeah, middle infielders are pretty hard to come by. Um, I, don't just I traded so. Colton
1: Wong. That hurt.
0: <laughs> yeah, Colton has been real good this year. Um, uh, I got I Cole really out of it, so I was okay. Well, yeah, that's all. And all you need in this league is pitching, but. I really didn't see right. the power. I didn't see the power from Colton Wong um, coming through. Uh, hold on one second.
1: I don't even know uh, if he really has hit for a ton of power, but he's been he's been well, good.
0: Early in the season, when I was kicking myself for not trading or drafting Colton Wong in most leagues, I was like, "Oh god damn it! He's hitting home runs now too. Like this sucks." Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, he
1: has hit nine so far, but. Uh,
0: I'm so, I'm sorry to get off topic, but uh, I believe what Carlos Carrasco just lost a perfect game with four outs left in the uh, game, so that was sad for everybody um, watching, and I have him on most of my teams, so I was hoping for that that perfect game point. But yeah, Colton Long was probably a tough one to trade. Um, when we were looking at the draft picks we had there, are going through, I took. Uh, Corey Dickerson before Chris Sale. I think you have Chris Sale, too, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, took advantage that...
1: of everybody being afraid of that uh, that injury.
0: Yeah, I was just really a fan of Corey Dickerson. I'm like, this guy's going to be awesome. And probably this plantar fasciitis, is, you know, tempered how happy I was when I drafted him. Uh, but stuff like that. I probably made a few mistakes drafting. But anyway.
1: I mean, uh, my draft wasn't perfect by any means. I did draft Austin Jackson.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm playing Austin Jackson, so shut up, Joe. He's my <laughs> you have of, him now. Did he's you pick my fourth him up? outfielder. Yeah, he's my fourth outfielder. It's, it's either sorry. him or it's either him or Angel Pagan. It's you know what? I, it's, I'm the 76ers of our slugging for Jude Dynasty League. I'm just going for bad. Um, but moving forward with this this league and these
1: probably pick up somebody else. (laughs) Unless he's he's playing better. I actually haven't been following him, but he started out completely awful, so I got rid of him.
0: He's averaging a solid one point. He he gets more points per game in our league than Marcelo Zuna does, so um, he's going to keep starting for me. Um, But, you know, we'll sort of wrap this up, because we don't have a ton to talk about with our league that we haven't already touched on. Right, But, um... Going into next season, do you think you're still going to shy away from prospects and just keep going major leaguers?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be – I mean, honestly, I kind of think that that's all that's going to be available for the most part is major leaguers because everybody's prospect happy. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll I'll still – as long as I've got a young core group that I'm happy with that I can continue forward with, um, I'll still – I'll just draft productive players to surround them with Um, just guys that are kind of like what, you know, normal major league baseball teams do. They have a young, good core. And then you have your veterans who just kind of bounce it out nice and evenly and, and just be productive for you.
0: The one thing actually I am really interested in, and I've never, this is my first year doing dynasty leagues. I've played in keeper leagues where you keep like three, four people, but never 20, 25 players. I'm in one league with it's a 20 team keeper league and you have to keep like 30 players. So there's going to be nothing to draft. I'm interested to see what there is available to draft. Um, when, you know, next season sort of starts with what positions are going to be undervalued. Are people going to drop all their outfielders? Cause you know, there haven't been a ton who like sort of lived up to the expectations? Are people going to get rid of their middle infielders? So I think that's going to be pretty interesting, seeing how, you know, which which people are valued by which managers. Um, yeah, there, have,
1: there definitely are going to be a couple of gems out there, just because there's going to be teams that are are going to have too many players to keep, um, and they're just not, you know, or they're going to value a young guy over somebody who's like thirty one, thirty two, on the down and on the downside of his career. You know, those are the types of players that you just go after.
0: Yeah. I definitely, when I, when the season started, I really thought, like, oh, once this draft happens next year, there's going to be nobody. I'm going to be drafting between the Austin Jacksons and Marlon Birds of the world. Um, but I vastly overestimated how many, you know, like where the talent was out. And I've only looked at my team for most of this season, obviously. And I think I've definitely underestimated who who I'll be able to get um and who I can replace. So that gives me some hope. Um but I don't know. I don't know how this how these next couple seasons are gonna play out for me. Um but Joe, you think you're gonna be able to take the uh take the crown in slugging? Or don't or maybe actually don't even answer because the only things I've ever talked about on this podcast I've totally jinxed. Uh, I don't know if I was on it with you when I said I thought Zach Rankin could win the Cy Young, and I don't think he's won. Well, he won two days ago, and that's the first time he's won since I said that in like <laughs> April. So don't don't jinx yourself on my podcast because it's uh, it's cursed. But um, why don't you just give me one guy? If you were sort of a mid a five hundred team in dynasty in a dynasty league, who you may want to trade like a one pitcher. And one hitter you may want to trade for. I know that's kind of hard based on a, you know, what a team may need. But who do you think you'd go after?
1: Oh, that's a good question. So like a 500 team. So um, say you're
0: you're six and five or seven and six, and you're like, okay, my team. Well, first you're seven and six, and you're in eighth place out of 15 teams or something like that. You're right in the middle of the pack. Are you a trying to sell off young to go for the top of the league or you be selling off your proven older guys and trying to look at next season?
1: In a head-to-head league, I'm still going for it. Um, I have been in many, many head-to-head leagues where anything can happen in the playoffs. Anything. I got beat, no joke, by... um, The Flying Hawaiian, Shane Victorino. Two years ago, I was the best team in one of my head-to-head leagues, got to the playoffs, played a team. He had like zero offense that year. So I thought, this is no problem. All I got to do is beat him in the five bidding categories, which is like a piece of cake, and then beat him in one. Actually, I was the best team. So I had the the higher seed. I won the tiebreaker if I won five out of ten categories. Shane Victorino hit, no joke, one-third of his total season stats in the two weeks that our playoff series was going on. He hit like, six home runs, 15 RBI, four stolen bases, like, the entire two weeks against me. And I'm not exaggerating those numbers at all. Um, And I forever hate Shane Victorino because of (laughs) that.
0: Everybody... (laughs) Everybody has that player. Um, I Here's my best head-to-head story. I actually managed to squeak out this victory because the team I was playing was not that great. And I, similar to you, thought, okay, I'm the two seed. He's the seven seed. I can blow past this. But this was the year Troy Tulowitzki hit, like, 14 home runs in, like, two weeks or something. Like, he had hit more home runs in two weeks than anybody besides Babe Ruth in, like, 1927. And I was there just like, Every time he was at bat I was just so nervous that he was gonna drive in more runs. He had like thirty, thirty five RBIs or something. It was terrifying. I his he didn't have anything else on his team besides Troy Tulowitzki, but I still almost lost. So I think if I was eight and seven, I would go for it too. Um, so yeah, you're eight and seven. One player you think you know what, you don't have to give up too much to get, but it'll give you a nice return, a batter and a hitter, if that is not too vague of a request.
1: Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of some guys that are kind of kind of just hovering around okay right now. Um, I'm really kind of blanking off the top of my head. I'm bad at this. I
0: don't well, know. Uh, I'll give you the guys that I sort of was looking at um, in one of my other dynasty leagues. I, mean, um, I don't have a ton. I mean, I have. I have actually luckily... Goldsmith in like three of my four dynasty league. So I'm pretty set there, but I didn't have a great back or like corner infielder. Um, so the guy I was sort of going after, and this might not be the huge name listeners may be looking for, but I was like a big fan of those, you know, 29 to 32, uh, first baseman who people are probably like, uh, oh, Adam wind, he's old. I don't want him. Like I'll, I'll sell him for cheap. Mitch Moreland. I'll sell him for cheap. He's sort of a failed prospect. Um, more than's now hit like five home runs in the last week, so you may not be able to get him. But Adam Lind I managed to get in one league for, I think, Justin Verlander before Verlander even came off the DL. Um, just somebody like that, a steady veteran I was pretty happy with to add to my team, just get some RBIs. Now, he's not going to get me 100 RBIs. He'll get me 80. But uh, I was pretty solid with that. And in the pitching category, I managed to buy off Matt Schumacher from somebody for pretty cheap offensive, I think. I honestly don't remember what I traded for him. But he's not he hasn't had the best season this year. He was great last year. Um he's not that old. I think he's twenty six, twenty seven. So no, young, yeah. Yeah, well, he's twenty eight, but he hasn't pitched in the majors a ton, so I think he's got some miles left on him. But just you know, just a steady arm to sort of bolster my pitching ranks, and if I want to trade one of my, you know, more notable names, like a James Shields or something, then I have at least Schumacher to fall back on. Well, if I traded Shields before, my pitching was a little uh, a little more thin. So you don't always have to make the big, like the splash trade where you get a Josh Donaldson because you gave up Byron Buxton and Steven Matz and Corey uh, Seager. I think sometimes it's just making the – the thing that patches up a hole with a reliable sort of guy, you know, Schumacher hasn't been totally reliable this season, but hopefully he sort of turns it around. Um, So that dog, your memory or are you still blanking?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, some of the, some of the guys, I guess I'd be looking at, you know, it obviously depends on like what category you need help in, but you know, guys like Pedro Alvarez, you know, another like, lonely first baseman that everybody seems to forget about guys like him and Mike Napoli, you know, the batting average is going to kill you, but those are the guys you can still get pretty cheap because everybody just looks at their batting average and thinks they're struggling, but they're actually not doing half bad. with their counting stats. Um, you know, as far as pitching goes, maybe guys just coming off of some injuries, you know, like, like a Doug Fister. uh, you know, well, he's not coming off this of injury, but
0: I think that um, is, I think getting guys right when they come off of an injury also is a little better than trying to trade for them while they're still injured.
1: Oh, Two absolutely. Reasons.
0: One, obviously, they may not come back or they may have a setback or something. But when they're injured and people are looking at them and saying like, "Oh, I have Fister coming back," that's like they see Fister as he's going to be the good Fister. Um, like when I when I drafted him in the twelfth round or something like that. And if they come back and they're a little rusty because they haven't pitched in two months, that I think is the best time to try it, to go grab one of those injured guys. But, um, yeah, anybody else you got?
1: Um, I, I, I did have another pitcher, and I, I just lost him because I moved my page. Uh, <laughs> but, well,
0: it's all right.
1: Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you know, guys like that, um, you know, maybe, maybe – Look at look at those pitchers that are kind of struggling, like maybe a Cashner. You know, buy buy low on some guys, like an Ian Desmond. Ian Desmond's having a pretty horrible season, but you've you've just got to expect them to bounce back. You know, they're better players than what they're playing right now. You've got to try and buy low on these guys. You know, if you're gonna try and go get, if you're trying if you're trying to go get, you know, the the best player in baseball right now or something, you're gonna pay for it, and then you're giving up talent for more talent. And that's not always getting you anywhere. It's fun to go get Max Scherzer, but you're going to have to give up half your team to get him.
0: Yeah. I definitely think going and just getting that reliable, or not even reliable, but that the guy that's going to give you the staff you need without having to pay out the, uh, blow your bankroll for him. Um, is definitely what I would suggest to all you listeners out there. Um, Joe, why don't you shout out your info one more time, and we can uh, wrap this thing up and put a bow on it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm the owner of fantasy 6 pack.net. You can find me on Twitter at Fancy Six Pack. You can also find my stuff on So-Called Fantasy Experts. I should be putting out the waiver Wire article tomorrow at some point.
0: Uh, oh, damn. Charles Kraska just lost the no-hitter with uh, one out to go in the ninth.
1: Oh, that
0: seriously? That sucks. That really yeah. sucks. But anyway, um, yes, go check out Joe's stuff on Fantasy Six Pack. You can go listen to the podcast I was on. But uh, and they got a lot of good stuff. A lot of writers over there, a lot more than I thought. I kind of just thought it was you for a little while. So I'm glad to see you've had help. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: they're, they're doing a little way. I'm always looking for more if anybody wants to write. <laughs>
0: Well, we'll see. We'll see what uh, football season brings. Maybe I'll come help you guys out. But this is uh, your host, Travis Pestor. You can find me at the Real Travioli on Twitter. Hit us up. Give us suggestions for other podcast ideas you'd like us to do. If I could ever get Chris Myers on here to talk about this week, we could bring up the inning thing. Um, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll catch you guys later. Thanks for tuning in, Joe. I appreciate you making time. And uh, we shall see you I don't know, next week? Actually, no, not next week. I'll be on vacation week after that.
1: Oh, I'm, t- I'm coming on next week. You better be here.
0: You're coming on next week? Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll just be on a beach. Uh, hopefully I get Wi-Fi out there. Um, I'll, do it, I'll actually just call in off my phone. Hopefully I get 3G. All right. This has been the Home on the Jewels Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by so-called Fantasy Experts. Go read our stuff. Follow us on Twitter, and we will see you in the next week to two weeks. Um, see you later.